You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this, you'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, if you're like most Americans, you love potato chips, and chip brands are always trying new crazy flavors. So how do they make a chip that tastes like something completely different? You know, like chicken and waffles or lasagna? Both real flavors, by the way. Well, it's kind of a secret. If over the last few years you've thought, you know, my phone service just hasn't been as great as it used to be, let me assure you, you're not crazy. We'll look for an explanation in the ever-changing world of wave frequencies. McDonald's is one of the first places we think of when we think of fast food. And with McDonald's, like it or not, you can always expect at least some version of consistency. Well, that's about to change. All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. Jay, uh, you know, we have a lot of themes that come up on the show, and I'm I'm fine with it because it's just kind of the things we think about, the things we like. One thing we talk about a lot snacks you and i are uh well-known snackers um I, true. I, we could even that could even be our nicknames snack and snacks <laughs> that's a nickname that you don't give yourself or you don't accept it's forced upon you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you it's one it time it's in fourth it. grade a kid sees you with snacks and goes hey he snacks now and then you just never escape it <laughs> well when it comes to snacks jay what would be your favorite snack like long day you need to pick me up maybe a great day and you want to celebrate it What are you reaching for? You know, I'm big on the pretzels that's been established on this podcast before. But I have been trying to cut back on the snacking, especially in the evening, because I've noticed that it's really catching up with me. Like, it'll spiral. It'll snowball. So I'll go in. It'll be like 10 o'clock at night. You know, I'm thinking about I'm at that crossroads. Like, do I go to bed or do I like watch another show? You know, what am I going to do now? And so it's like you go to the fridge and you open it. You don't really know what you're looking for. And then you get something. And then all of a sudden you're getting something else. And then you're getting like a cook. And then you're getting like the bag of shredded cheese out. <laughs> you're like getting a handful of that, you know? <laughs> and it's like before you know it, you're like, well, I just ate 700 calories. I feel like that's really when you know it's time to go to bed when you reach for the bag of shredded cheese. <laughs> it's, it's never a good a, idea to eat the shredded cheese. It's such a desperate move. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bad idea. Well, for me, this time of year, it's the uh, Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes. Oh, yeah. I mean, come See, on. See, it's like I'm to the point of like oh. telling telling my wife like we got to keep them out of the house you know it's just, yeah like don't buy them yeah because I, I don't eat myself. them i don't eat them like oh it's after school and i'm gonna eat it's like it's 10 o'clock at night or it's like it's in the morning and you just get one for some reason you know it's just like the times you shouldn't be eating them. <laughs> that's also a bad snack in the morning it's like 7 a.m you get a, a some kind yeah. of, of cookie but on the year uh, on the year round jay for me it's doritos i'm a dorito guy i especially cannot stop eating the chili flavored ones they're, they're in the purple bag you know what i'm, talking I'm surprised about? by that those those would give me heartburn 100 percent for sure like i'm gonna need a tums if i'm gonna eat those <laughs> well you know everybody likes something and my wife for example she loves the salt and vinegar chips which to me is like if you arrive in hell that's what they give you they give you a bag of salt and vinegar chips. <laughs> no no they're not bad when was the last time you tried them i don't have to try them. it's the smell see that's what i'm oh. saying okay so for me it's like a somebody smelling handed me, salt somebody handed me a bag in like seventh grade and i tried them for the first time hated it I just wasn't ready for it and so i went cold for like 20 years 
and then I tried them again when I was like 29, and they're really good. Here's the thing. Okay, so let's say you're at a crime scene, and uh, someone's passed out, and there's like a detective or whoever. Like, does anybody have a smelling salt? And nobody does. His second thing would be, does anyone have a bag of salt and vinegar chips? Because okay, it's basically well you just, like a smelling salt. You just said you like chili Doritos, which are just like in a complete <laughs> assault on your mouth. Uh, but Jay, here's the thing. We all have different taste buds, as we have just uh, made evident. This is especially true, though, internationally. So the question comes down to this. How do chip companies reduce a national dish down to a powder, a taste, for a chip? Well, my friend, it's complicated and strangely secretive. Jay Walker's, a chip manufacturing company that began in Britain in 1948 and was acquired by the Frito-Lay company in 1989, is the force behind Lay's Potato Chips, a snack available in over 200 countries worldwide. And Lay's Potato Chips, just like Kellogg's Pringles Chips and many others, well, they come in a lot of flavors. Some make sense. Like poutine flavor. That's a really weird word, by the way, poutine. It's a thick gravy popular (laughs) in Canada, and it's not available in the U.S. or in Brazil. But others are hard to figure out, like salt and pepper being the best-selling flavor in Norway, or Koreans favoring an oven-roasted chicken-flavored chip. So, Jay, how does this happen? Well, it all starts in secretive powder-producing factories in various places around the world, where teams of chefs, marketers, and scientists debate and decide what flavor a certain region needs to try next. The country-specific flavor profiles are built through data, what food flavors are popular, and history, what traditional foods can be found in a certain country. And these seasoning houses, Jay, their secrecy comes in part because of their clients, For example, one such house, studied by The Guardian, provides flavor dust to both Lay's and Pringles, direct competitors in the market. But Jay, that doesn't mean that Lay's salt and vinegar is the same flavor as Pringles' salt and vinegar. According to The Guardian, each account and recipe is held secret. It's blocked off from other accounts within the same building. So how are the requested flavors made? Well, when a client has an idea, the dish is researched like a curry-flavored chip, for example. The ingredients are identified, and then that's where the science comes in. Not all required ingredients can be turned into a powder. So a process begins that can be described as part art and part science to capture the desired taste. Jay, it can take more than a dozen taste tests before the flavor is approved, and then it may never make it out of the smaller test markets. Based on the sheer volume of people, it won't surprise you, the most experimental country when it comes to flavors is China. The chip flavors in China, now this is, this is real by the way, they range from a feeling like chips that are supposed to taste like numb or cool to the <laughs> yeah, so a numb chip. That. What does that do to you? <laughs> to, to the crazier taste like beer or rose petals. So Jade, the next time you reach for a chip, Take a second to think about all the work that went into it just so your greasy little hands could go down in that bag to grab a barbecue potato chip. Yeah, these remind me of the long-lost all-dressed-up chips, which made their way down to the United States from Canada not too long ago, but only for a short time. If you want to get them now, you have to order them on Amazon. Uh, you would hate them because they're like very ketchup-based. Oh, yeah, say no more. But they're, uh, they're very good. Hey, man, I'm sold. I'm sold on that description. <laughs> it's like you uh, it, it's they taste like something you hate and you have to order them from Canada.
So Dave, just as a whole, do you feel like your cell phone reception has gotten a little worse over the last couple of years? Well, cell phones are kind of a, uh, uh, not a fun subject for me right now. I, you know, I fancy myself somebody who's very discerning. Like I can tell when I'm getting taken. Like, yeah, try to get me on it. You use car salesman, try to get me. Just try. <laughs> well, I got suckered into uh, kind of the equivalent of that with a cell phone. And I, I found myself, next thing I knew, I switched plans from one carrier to the other. Now, how did, how did this happen? Like, I need a little bit of background information. Well, I was in a store, and I just got approached by a random guy who was, like, selling cell phones through this store. I'll just say I was in Target. You didn't tell him to was, go away or anything. Well, I, no, I originally did. I was very like, I'm not doing this right now. Are you kidding me? And, and next thing you know, he's, like, comparing what I pay now to what I could pay if I switched. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm going to save a lot of money. Man, you so, should have you should have hired him on the spot. Sounds like I know <laughs> some kind of otherworldly salesman. He got me. So then I switched, and then I, you know you get your bill and you expect it to be what he said it would be, which is like a hundred dollars less, and instead it's like fifty dollars more. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, if you've been thinking that maybe your cell phone isn't getting as good reception lately as it used to, you are not imagining it. On average, between April and June of 2023, U.S. cell phone users reported that out of every 100 times they tried to use data, text, or make a call, they had problems 11 times, which is up from nine problems per 100 connections in 2020 and 2021, according to a report from J.D. Power. All three major carriers, Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T, have worse scores on this metric in the first part of 2023 than they had in 2021. It's gotten a little bit worse. There's a problem more than there used to be, Carl Lepper, a senior director at J.D. Power, told Time Magazine. My ears perk up when it gets above 10. On top of this, Dave, spotty service and dropped calls are some of the main complaints of cell phone users across the country. So what's going on here? So cell phones use radio waves to send signals to an antenna on a relay tower. The higher the frequency of these signals, the faster the signal can travel, But higher frequencies also can't go as far, and they struggle more with physical barriers like walls or trees. Low-frequency waves don't move as fast, but they can move much longer distances and through barriers easier. Also, Dave, it's important to understand that the space for these spectrums, it's not infinite. The more the spectrums are used, the less room there is for more frequencies. So as we clog up the spectrums with streaming, calls, data, Zoom calls from home, and texts, the space gets too crowded. And in urban centers, the problem is all the more amplified. According to Time Magazine, AT&T in September reported that its total usage on its network was growing, get this, 30% every year. So to solve this problem, companies could build more towers to allow people to connect to higher frequencies. But as you would imagine, cities and towns generally oppose the construction of new towers since they're large, sort of an eyesore, and take up a lot of space. And your space on the frequency may also be limited depending on who your carrier is. Verizon, for example, has not invested as much in mid-band spectrum as other carriers, which is why Verizon customers may find themselves getting spotty service, while T-Mobile has the most low and mid-band spectrum, so the coverage area is wider. And while Verizon is currently investing in more low to mid-band spectrum, this is a complicated process of upgrading your entire network. And so while there is technology, Dave, to allow cell phones to use the spectrum more efficiently, the giant surge in data usage that's ca- happening almost consistently has been too much for a lot of networks to handle. 
the amount of traffic each device puts out over the network on average actually doubles every two years or so, and expanding that capacity is too fast of a turnaround. And so while towers, they may be ugly, what's the better alternative? Bad service with no room for improvement, since the amount of data we use every year is expanding exponentially? As with all technology, efforts are currently underway to solve this problem. But it's the rapid expansion of the problem that makes it such a difficult problem to tackle, even with more tools at our disposal like artificial intelligence. But if you've ever wondered, you know, is it just me that thinks this? I promise you, it's not. And you're not imagining it. So PC Mag, uh, this was uh, back in 2022. They did a study to find the worst cellular dead zones in the U.S., Almost all of them West Coast, believe it or not. Okay. Like, I, I think is. it actually might be the top the top 10 or at least all on the West Coast. And number one is Montera. I think that's how you pronounce it. Montera, California, which is just south of San Francisco. Crazy to think there's zero cell service there. So it's probably just something to do with the, with the mountain range. And it's it's like super close to the headquarters of Apple and Facebook. Like, isn't that <laughs> I think wild? it's intentional. Like they're zero like, cell phone service. It's like intentional. They're like, we don't really want to have access to all this stuff. Like we see how it's ruining <laughs> everyone else, and so we would rather stay off of it. Finally, Jay, I have no idea, honestly, why I think it's so much fun to, to dive into the psyche of you potentially being in the <laughs> dating scene. Like, I, I feel like I somehow come back to this hypothetical situation all the time. So I kind of apologize. I mean, I'll keep doing it, but still, I'm, I'm sorry for that. It's weekly at this point. I mean, you just asked me about it last week. <laughs> <laughs> but, Jay, but Jay, so on this first date, okay, this hypothetical first date, you know, if you go on one, you're trying to impress the other person, right? So you're telling them things about yourself that are fun and interesting. So what's one of the things about you that you think you'd highlight? I mean, I mean, honestly, it could and probably should be that you're on this podcast, but you know, anything outside of that? I mean, I, it should be said that I haven't been on a first date since I was 18. Um, so I don't really <laughs> know what that would be like. And I feel like it would be kind of overwhelming to try to condense yourself into a one sit down feels like a lot of pressure, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm a guy with hobbies. I mean, I think I like, like we have the podcast. I like to run. I like to Like I have things I like to do. So I guess I would feel like I would have to highlight that. Your date's like, so what do you do? And you're like, ah, well, I, I collect. <laughs> <laughs> would that be the creepiest like, Do you want to see it? I have photos is, on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> is I collect the creepiest answer that you could give to what do you do? I collect. They, you, don't, you don't say what yeah, you collect. Yeah, they say like, well, what do you collect? collect? You're like, well, it's a little bit of everything. Collect a little bit of everything. <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'll show you. It's like this person's for sure a serial killer. <laughs> I feel like you already know what I'm going to say. In fact, I'm 99% sure that I have uh, used this, and I, I'm sure I used it early on with my wife. Jay, mine would be that I am a movie star. <laughs> As I've shared before, I had a starring role in the early 2000s documentary Super Size Me about McDonald's and fast food in general. So I'd start yeah, there. That that's why you're married today, I would imagine. I mean, you know, once she heard that, it was over. Those two seconds were crucial to the movie taking off. Do you think, uh, hypothetical situation, you aren't in Super Size Me. They go to a different school. They go to another county. Does the trajectory of your life change, you think? Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> I'd always wonder what if, you know what I mean? 
But Jay, uh, McDonald's was the obvious choice for a fast food documentary, and Super Size Me did just that. It's the standard in fast food, right? I mean, when you think fast food, whether you eat it often or not, McDonald's is the one. It's one of the first places that comes to mind. With 13,460 U.S. locations and thousands of more worldwide, there's seemingly a McDonald's on every corner. But Jay, to stay at the top, you gotta evolve, baby. And while McDonald's does things to stay in the news, like the retiring and unretiring of the McRib that we've discussed before, it's about to embark on one of its biggest changes ever. Jay, McDonald's is changing its burgers. Led by chef Chad Schaefer, over the course of the last seven years in its test kitchen in Chicago, McDonald's has been tinkering with how to change its hamburger experience. And now the time has come for a rollout. Already available at some test locations and being rolled out in the spring of 2024, McDonald's is promising what it calls its best burgers ever, with over 50 modifications, including changes to its flagship sandwich, the Big Mac. We can do it quick, fast, and safe, but it doesn't necessarily taste great. So we want to incorporate quality into where we're at. Chris Young, McDonald's Senior Director of Global Menu Strategy, told the Wall Street Journal, Jay, some highlights here for you of the impending changes. Okay, here we go. Six patties will be grilled at a time instead of eight for the auto-cooking mechanism to apply less pressure and retain more burger patty juices. Okay. Big Macs will now get more sauce on them. Buttery buns will be used and sliced with a thicker bottom now to retain some heat. Sesame seeds will be more randomly scattered on buns, so it'll have a homier look. That's a direct quote. Cheese will be taken out of refrigerators sooner, so it'll actually melt during the cooking process. Sounds like all complete nonsense. (laughs) Yeah, so far I'm on board. Uh, (laughs) Onions will be rehydrated after purchase for more juiciness. And lettuce and pickles will be stored in smaller containers so they'll be more fresh. Jade, the change campaign has come as McDonald's faces the reality that burgers really have become more of a quality sit-down option than just something people get for a fast food staple. So, Jay, are you in on this? Is there a chance you'll be visiting the Golden Arches more because of these changes in 2024? <laughs> I just, as you're reading those changes, I'm like, so which one is actually going to change the burger? It's like, you might as well have told me, well, now we're going to wear white gloves instead of black ones. And now we're going to change the temperature in the room from 70 degrees to 71, or something like that. It's like, these aren't real changes. Like, you need to change the whole burger itself, right? You need to change the whole recipe. You tell me you're just going to do six instead of eight. Give me a break. Well, I guess we'll find out. You're sipping on that haterade. That's per usual. <laughs> Have you ever eaten a Big Mac before? This is because, real quick, this is because you worked at Burger King. So that's a no. <laughs> and so you've got this Burger King blind loyalty. You just don't no, want I've, anyone else I've, to get better. I hate Burger King. I've worked there for so long, I was beaten senseless with the smell of Burger King. <laughs> and so I drive past it, and it's like a it's like a trauma flashback when I drive past it and the smoke's rolling off the, the roof. To answer your question, I haven't had a Big Mac. I'm not against it. Well, maybe I am. I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> you're for sure not going to eat a Big Mac ever in your entire life. Well, maybe you now eat I'll those work. chili Doritos. Uh, more sauce <laughs> now. Maybe I will. I've had one, one Big Mac in my entire life. And it was just because someone showed up with one and they're like, here's your lunch. And I was like, I guess it is. And so I ate it. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. 
We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always say what up at our website, tbthepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jason, and I'm Dave Traub. We'll see you next week. I've had one, one Big Mac in my entire life. And it was just because someone showed up with one and they're like, here's your lunch. And I was like, I guess it is. And so I ate it.